the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. This is a state of control. Episode number seven, recorded Monday, October seventh, two thousand thirteen. The red button or blue? Welcome to a state of control. This is the podcast put on to you by the fine folks of AV Nation uh, about the control and automation uh, segment of the AV industry. Welcome. My name is Tom Albright. I'm your host. With us, as always, is Steve Greenblatt. Steve is the owner, operator, and chief everything at Control Concepts. How are you, sir? I'm great. Glad to be here. Uh, also with us uh, from the opposite end of the country, Rich Fergoza from FergozaDesign.com. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic. Happy Monday from the left coast. Yes. Is it, is it technically Monday there already? Uh, you know, well, for us, not really. You know, we're, we're kind of sidling into it, you know, a couple of tasty waves, some cool brews, you know, everything's, everything's, everything's just saucy, man. We, we record this at roughly 12, you know, Eastern, so it's still dark in California. Um, not really. Uh, Mike Faulkner is here. He's from Avitexture, the manager of engineering services. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, and last but not least, Sabin Shobin, uh, Shoham, sorry. Uh, he is the Senior AV Systems Consultant at Metropolitan Acoustics. Welcome, sir. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. This month on A State of Control, we're going to talk about something that, that I am, uh, all of us are, are familiar with, and, and me being a pseudo-end user, I'm a, a technology manager at a college outside of St. Louis, and that is the price of programming, specifically the price of good programming, because... Well, let's be honest, you can have bad programming and almost like McDonald's, you can get, you know, an extra, you know, extra size fry with that when it comes to programming. But let's talk about good programming and, and not talk about bad ones. Uh, guys, when it comes to, okay, let's, programming is, you can't touch it and feel it. Yes, you get um, a, a flash drive or a CD at the end of the of the project, uh, and I'm not going to get into the whole who owns the code on this episode, but um, but you get some sort of version of the code in some way, shape, or form, hopefully, uh, that is yours physically. But the actual thing, the actual programming, it's ones and zeros. It's it's a bunch of, of muckety-muck if you, if you don't really know what you're looking at. So it's kind of ethereal, right? It's 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 like consulting. <laughs> you don't you don't get an actual piece of gear, and so putting a price on that actual programming experience is somewhat difficult sometimes, especially from the point of view of the end user. Uh, Steve, we'll, we'll kick it off with you here. If, let's let's talk about budgets first, because that's a lot of times where the consultants and the end user uh, will begin. How do you budget this? How do you budget programming? I, when I was thinking about this topic, and, and I think it's something that when we get into it, we'll realize that we can all relate to it in one form or another. It, it, it uh, made me think back to the show where we discussed the scope of work. And I think that, that that's really the key item here is is developing a scope of work and having a price correlated with it and and having those those two really go hand in hand and and really the scope of work when we talk about it in this sense has to do with what you want the system to do and i think the idea that there there are many options out there and of course budgets are are are, are not open ended um, but educating the user on what they can have or maybe even telling them what would be best for them would hopefully be the starting point to be able to assess the amount of work and, and putting a price on something. But but essentially, what, what we need to, to, to start to think about and have a conversation about in the beginning of the project is uh, how how do we match the the needs and and the 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 costs and and also not fall into a situation where the the customer is making a poor decision and and limiting what they're getting and and not necessarily being satisfied in the end and, that, and that's part of your job though as as the the 
programmer slash programmer automation consultant part is making sure that is listening to them, but making sure that they understand what they're asking for, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> it, it, it's it, the, the conversation really has to be a back and forth, and and many times it gets uncomfortable because the the customer sometimes thinks that you're challenging them, but what what we're really making them do is is think things through because what they ask for isn't necessarily what's best for them, and sometimes they don't realize the impact of what they're asking for. Let's let's take a look at this from two different angles: more, one more residential and one more more commercial. Because those processes tend to be, at least, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, seem to me to be a little bit different uh, because the structure is different. Typically, in, in a commercial or, or pro-AV space, you're going to have a consultant or someone who is the, um, the advocate for the end user. In, in residential, primarily, the end user is the advocate for the end user. Uh, you might have an a, a interior designer or somebody like that. Um, so Rich, we'll kick it off with you for the, for the residential side. When it comes to talking about the, the programming and, and the costs, is, is this where, do you, do you walk them through, like Steve said, um, or, or do you, I don't want to say hide, but, but do you kind of build that in to the cost of everything else? You know, I think that programming, unlike hardware, like, like we keep talking about is, you know, you can't necessarily touch it, but I, I've always believed that you can touch it. And really what you're working on is trying to find the connection with the, the human interface experience. Um, that is where we're able to actually say this is the difference in terms of operational mode A as opposed to B as opposed to C. Now in residential, you're dealing with style, you're dealing with interiors, you're dealing with personal preferences, you're dealing with somebody that if it's their home, it is an extension of them, of their personality. So we're tapping into something a little bit different than necessarily a boardroom or a classroom or a series of tra training suites. And, and, and that's always understood. But I've always felt that, again, good programming it should be almost as, as ubiquitous as that light switch. You just make assumptions when you see something. Um, on a touch panel and, and we should be able to deliver it that way. And so, you know, in terms of creating that value, I've always taken a backwards approach. And I think that a lot of companies who are software developers who, who focus on that look and say, let's, like Steve was saying, let's focus on what you really say you want. You say you want X or you say you want Y. Here is an example of what Y looks like, or here's an example of what X looks like, let's get a feel for where you may be in that position. What winds up happening is if there isn't any value or buy-in created by whoever the deciding parties are, it is just that extra number. It, 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 and that's where you know people feel that they're being challenged or treated as if, well, you really don't know what you want, so I'm going to tell you what you want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, it winds up being you know, this, this back and forth where we're trying to sell the, uh, what is it, the undercoating on the car? Yeah, or the extended <laughs> warranty. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and there is that um, discomfort, I think, when you're dealing with people who may be technically savvy to a degree, but when you toss the word programming out, they start to go into a little bit of a cold sweat because they don't necessarily want to tell you, I don't understand or spend the time with me. Um, what might happen is that there's a little bit of pushback just because they don't necessarily want to feel as if leverage is being given away. So the first thing that they go after is potentially devaluing what you do. It's a really fine line to walk. So again, where, where we go back to is I, I actually go to the other side of it, which is the human element. You know, you know it, it, it's all of the visceral effects. What does it look like? How does it feel when you go from here? You know, what is it that you feel that you know, if you were to use it in a perfect world, how can we make this work for you. At that point, then we quantify and we say, great, based on all of these things, which is what you're, how you're hoping to use it during the course of a day, these are the specific components that fit into that. And here's how some of them look. Maybe you like that. Maybe you don't, you don't like that. And, and it's funny is that I, I, years and years and years ago, um, one of the silliest things that I ever went to was like a Dale's Carnegie sales training. And 
it has proven to be one of the most spectacular sales tools for me because all it ever taught me to do was to spot objections that people would have before they voice their objections. Mm. And good programmers, we already know what they're going to be objecting to. We, 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 we already, because we've done it so many times, and it's the same ones that keep cropping up. And what I found by creating value and where you can actually leverage it and move forward is to say the words for them. I know potentially that your cost uh, fears go along this way. Let me explain why this costs what it does. Indulge me for 30 seconds. Bang, bang, bang. Um, you know, here are some of the things that we've done for other people. Bang, bang, bang. And then what happens at that point is you, you, you truly, hopefully, wind up creating a partnership with the people that you're working with. And then all of a sudden, they start to understand, and the trust word starts to come out. Because, again, at that point, depending on how it's sold, again, I, I'm, I, I'm the primary contact with my client. Mm -hmm. I also happen to be the primary programmer. So I bridge both sides. Now, in a commercial setting, you may have salespeople, you may have project managers, you may have three layers before you get to the programmer. So what has to happen is then you have to form a bit of a philosophy and a bit of a procedure and your message from the salesperson to the programmer as to how they're delivering it. And so in Resi, it's a little bit easier because we all tend to wear a couple of different hats and we all tend to have direct relationships with the end user. In commercial, I know that it's a little bit different, but even in commercial, I've found that I've had, I've had success with it when I've spent the time identifying who um, really the, 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 the key people using it and the key people have to sell it to whoever else that they're reporting to. Um, you know, it's telling stories, as silly as it is. Well, Sabin, let's 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 delve into the, the the commercial side, the 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 pro side of this. How does yeah. this how does this process work? Because Rich is right. In, in residential, typically you you you're the programmer, you're the salesperson. In Rich's case, he's the owner. Um, but in in the the the, uh, the more commercial world, he's right. You do have several layers to, to get through before you get from the client or the end user's vision down to the programmer. Right. And, and so there's actually a couple things that I heard both of you discussing that I wanted to touch on. And uh, one thing I, I found interesting was you talked about hiding. Do you hide the numbers? You build it in somewhere else. And in a commercial environment, I know what we've had success doing is it's not necessarily hiding it, but we don't talk to the end users about the pennies and cents. We deal with specific functions. You know, it's a training room. It needs to accomplish these 10 things. Do you want five lighting presets? Do you want three lighting presets? Do you want one button that turns on everything in the room? Or do you want one button that turns on the minimal and then as you need it, it powers on the rest of the stuff? And we just list those things out very plainly, very simply. And I and then from there, as a consultant, we take that information and either – um, develop a budget on our own, which for simpler rooms we can, or when they're more complicated where there's a very substantial amount of, uh, I would say, above and beyond custom programming, stuff you don't see every day, then I would reach out to uh, you know, a certified independent programmer and say, here, this is what I'm working on. Can you give me some feedback on hours and time and, and um, potential problems? And then we develop a number and we stick it into our budget that the end user sees. Now, the only people that see that number are usually the higher ups, the ones that Rich is talking about where, you know, the in, in the residential, his interface is writing the check. In, in my world, I'm talking to 10 people and none of them are writing the check. It's, it's <laughs> it, you know, it's it goes up the, the food chain and a manager to a manager to a CEO somewhere has to give the approval. Uh, so it is a different process. And to even elaborate on what you guys said about layers, I'd say there's even more layers than what you guys discussed. Not only is there a project manager and an account rep and, and possibly a programmer, that's just on the programming side. When you think of the layers of the entire project, usually the architects are on contract uh, – I'm sorry, the consultants are on contract with the architects or – through the end users from time to time. So you have a whole layer uh, there that needs to be dealt with. I'm reporting to an architect. The architect's reporting to a construction manager. The construction manager's reporting to an owner or a or a end user group. And all of that has to be navigated. And uh, to be honest with you, it's extremely rare for the programmer to ever even see or touch base with the end user 
until the system's already purchased. And Steve's probably gonna he's probably shaking his head on the other end of the call because <laughs> you know he's he's going after projects and pricing projects, and uh, his only interface is is me or somebody parallel to me, and, and he's got to cross his fingers and hope that we have uh, taken the requirements from the end user and laid it out in a precise enough fashion that he can then price it accurately enough to to develop it and deploy it, it it's uh it's not an easy challenge okay mike so take what saban did said and what, <laughs> what rich has said it, it, and it, saban made it, i mean made the point where he said you know the guy he, who he talks to isn't even the person writing the check that's difficult to, to get all of these different things um passed along i guess or, the, or the, all the different um, the, the idea of programming passed through all these different layers. How then do we justify the cost of programming, whether it's built into the system or it's something that we talk about overtly? How do we get that past all of these different decision makers? Well, I've got one more layer that I have to deal with on a regular basis, and that's the government or military. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So when we have to justify you know, changes, we, we try to provide, you know, first off a, a, a working usable system to the client. And then you also have to, you know, well, what do they want it to do on the, you know, like you said, the, the one button touch. And I don't know, it, 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 it becomes a, a shell game. You know, you're, you're trying to explain to the guy, your main point of contact. Well, okay. You, you want it to do this, do this, do this. That's fine. We've got that covered. But in walks his boss or, you know, the general, and they don't want to touch a button. They want to walk in and it's got to, you know, just read their mind and, and, and work, which They've all been figured. watching episode 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my wife is still begging me to figure out the read in your mind module. And I just, you know. Yeah, let me know when you out. get that build made and I'll, I'll buy uh, it oh, off. Oh, please. <laughs> Billions I will make. Um so we sit down, you know, toward the end of the project and we say, okay, well, this is what we had budgeted and this is what we've done so far. How, you know, are, how close are we? And if they start, you know, well, we were hoping to do this, 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 and this, if it gets up past the budget, we look at them and we say, okay, well, this is really how long it's going to take us to do this. Are you up for a change order? I know that's again, the four letter word, but we need to be able to pay for our time and we need to justify how long it's going to take for something to happen. So I literally look at the client and say, it's going to take us this long. Are you sure you want to be able to do this? Yeah. And if they're, you know, dead set intent on this function that they've come up with, um, we do the change order and provide it. But then there's also those silly times where the client's like, oh, I was really hoping that button would be green, not, you know, blue. Okay, well, we can do that right away. Um, little things like that, not a big deal. Um, I don't know. It, it, I, my biggest complaint is when you're looking at the scope of work, and I know we keep going back at the whole scope thing from no, the other no, episode. But it works. But but when you read the scope of work that says the control system will control the system, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> and uh, I'm an integrator, and I see that from consultants. <laughs> That's because okay. consultants sometimes are idiots. Not all of us, but there you are. You said no, it. No, no, no. I, but but so, so seriously, I, I've I've seen real quickly. I've seen, I, and so help me if if you do this. Um, I'm not going to apologize because it's a it's a crappy thing to do on a, on a scope of work. Um, the integrator is responsible for for uh, providing a complete working system, regardless of what this scope of work says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. a lot of clauses. Yeah. Well, there's a lot I, of clauses have, like that yes. around for sure. Yeah, <laughs> there's no buts yeah. about it. I I have two proposals <laughs> sitting on my desk right now that have that clause in there, and you know I've I've seen you know. RJ45s coming off of display going into an audio input of another device and going that 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 that's never going to work man but you haven't uh, heard about the whole AVB you know 
<laughs> it's, it's, you're supposed With to read that's supposed to be AVB and control all at once. And control, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's version, it's, ver yeah, it was the beta. <laughs> it was, yeah, right. it was the beta. And it's no programming required, according to the manufacturers. According to the manufacturers. <laughs> right, of course. Right, yeah. No, you just click on it and it's fine. You, know, yeah. you download the app. You be able to come up with a price for this generic system and then interact with the client. With Again, a lot of times we don't see until we're buttoning everything up and you know this random guy walks in and says, yeah, this is my room. Oh, really? How come I haven't talked to you? I don't know. Well, what were you looking for it to do? Not this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. What's what's even well, that, better? Go ahead. Well, that's that actually that happens. Not only does it happen directly to Integrator, but it, it happens to the consulting community as well. There are projects where I deal with a project manager, and that's my assigned contact. And we go right. to check out the room, and there's somebody standing right next to the Integrator who says he's the end user, and why does the thing not fly backwards? And we designed it to fly forwards, and it's <laughs> the same same scenario. What do you mean it won't make my coffee? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Because the coffee pot doesn't have a relay on it. All right. Uh <laughs> It can. It can. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, real quickly, guys, it, 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 Steve, we'll, we'll, we'll kick this one off with you. Uh, there have been numerous advances in you know, AMX, Crestron, or whoever you want to talk to. All of these companies are creating some really cool and wicked things, right? They're doing some really, really unique, unique things, or, or at least giving us the opportunity to giving programmers and giving uh, system designers the opportunity to with the, the pieces, the actual boxes that they're making. However, if all you're looking for is a relay closure and you've got this massive, uh, you know, Pro 2 or, or Pack 2 just to turn off one light, you're, you're overkilling the system. But it, when, when it comes to really utilizing all the tools that the manufacturers are giving us, but then the, on the other side, you've got either the consultant or the uh, end user saying, "I don't. All, all, I, all I really want to pay for is X or Y." How do you not justify the cost of that? But but how do you fully utilize the, the equipment that the manufacturers are giving us, while at the same time trying to uh, trying to maintain costs? I guess is the best way to ask that question. Sure. It. it it, it becomes a tough situation, actually, because a lot of times there's, of course, marketing that comes into play. And the control system manufacturers are out promoting their products, telling everybody of all the potential. And, and I, I think that all that potential is there. And, and the truth is we'd love to be able to provide it. Um, what it comes down to, though, is trying to, to boil down as to what it is the how how that potential translates to this application and and knowing that you have the opportunity for advancement and and add-on and and there can be more that we can do but uh, w within the 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 uh, scope i guess or the baseline that this is what we're here to provide and and i think you're commenting on what was said earlier i, I think it comes down to a lot of times relationships and understanding having some sort of understanding of a starting point that this is really what we are what we typically do i guess is a good way of putting it and and being able to and 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 you know, i've worked together with Sabin on on projects and and we we have uh, we, we've taken the time before we've gotten into a project to to understand what do we normally do for for these types of situations so that we can address the exceptions hopefully up front but it, it's trying to to define that baseline and and uh, I, I guess when it comes to the manufacturers they they also have to understand that they that they they can't be telling the customer about all these great things unless the customer realizes that they have to pay for those things it, it just doesn't happen <laughs> without programming <laughs> Uh, I'd like to say perfect example is the um, all-encompassing room view fusion uh, or the yeah. RMS. Yep, that's perfect. You, exactly. Yep. You you know the 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 salesperson, yep. the consultant says, yeah, they're going to have to have you know room view or, or well, what did you want it to do? 
And real quickly, um, real quickly, Saban, RoomView, RMS, all these are, are asset management softwares. Oh yeah, we yeah. know that. We, that we, we I'm just well. explaining for the for the anyone in listening. That's Audience. what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, okay, if you you know if you want to sell one of those packages, we have to find out exactly what they want to monitor, or are we doing scheduling? How many rooms are you doing the scheduling? And all of that plays into a massive cost you know increase when it comes to any of these systems it does help out for the client in the long run over many years you know they won't have to have somebody running around to all the different rooms shutting them down checking bulb life all of those little things but when they find out that they have to pay extra per functionality per you know room type because again not all of the rooms will have the same program so if it if it's the same program in every room and all you're doing is making one modification and loading it up to 20 different rooms that's one thing but if all those 20 rooms have completely different room styles room program room everything equipment yeah yeah and then you know changing that and and modifying to be able to put on a you know one of those asset management softwares it 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 is very expensive not to mention what it costs to have the software itself. Thank you for mentioning that because that was going to be my next question to you. Yeah. You've got, and, and, and I'm not, I don't mean to, to beat up on consultants. Saban's a very nice gentleman, <laughs> but you've got, whether it's the end user saying, I want to be able to do this and someone along the chain of command, not understanding exactly what they're asking for. If you say, I want to be able to, to, to remotely monitor, I want some sort of asset management software, whether it's, RMS or it's room view or it's whatever, they don't understand that, that there is a software package that you have to purchase. There is a purchase price. So all of these, uh, whether, you know, yes, there are free versions, but those free versions stop at so many licenses. Um, and so if you've got a decent sized building or a campus for a, a college, that those, those free licenses will run out relatively quickly. So uh, basically, do nothing out of the box. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, sort of. Without the programming to back it up, right? I, I think that at, at at this point, every integrator should walk around with, um, you know, the guy who issues the disclaimers at the end of the commercial. Because <laughs> um, if you think about it, it almost feels like you know sometimes what we're getting is you get that really flashy, beautiful car commercial, and they start talking about it. it starts at nineteen nine ninety nine, and then the guy behind goes. Model, model shown is, you know, with X amount of values, and actually comes in at $74,000, you know? They, they put that side in right at the very end, which is, you can have yeah. this, but it costs more. Yeah. Um, right. The, the you sad know, part uh, about it is, how do we ever get to doing all of these added features? And, and I, I mean, I was listening recently to one of the AV Week episodes where they were talking about near field, and I think that mm. having that in the system would be wonderful. But how do we find the clients that would appreciate that, and and where do we have that conversation? You go to work for Fergoza. <laughs> <laughs> That's how. Rich gets to do cool. Th- what was it one time we were talking, Rich, and I asked you if you've ever controlled a waterfall, and you said yes. Oh yeah, yeah, water slide, <laughs> it's waterfall. It's just a relay. Yeah, it's just yeah, a relay. Exactly. But yeah. the fact that you don't say it's just a relay—that's the thing. You say, "Oh yeah, I can control a swimming pool." Sure, absolutely. It's a waterfall. Well, but, and again, that's that's where the value comes from. And but and that's a good example, which is I, I'm delivering what you want, or I'm delivering some of the things that you say you want. And you know, the I think at times, um, even from the consulting standpoint and from the programming standpoint, and all of these things, and and not to get into you know, programmers are artists, man. This is this is what I do. This is my craft. It's. It's it's more about you know learning how to express what you do, and that's a very key point beyond the technical elements. It, it, it's it, you know, and again, I'm I'm kind of full of these analogies. You can go into a restaurant, and the chef can tell you, hey, these are the three different ingredients that I used. Um, I cooked this at 350 degrees for an hour and a half, and then I whisked this together, and I used three, and I used this emulsion blender and put it, and your eyes kind of glaze over. At the same point, if the story is told differently, again, the same information, but the story is told differently about, you know, we acquired this from here and, you know, this is this is what we've developed and we found a, a you know, a unique way to, you know, cre- create this for you, that that's what makes this 
special for you, you get a different buy-in. Sometimes it's just a matter of since we're so data-driven, we sometimes forget how to deliver the data, as, mm. as odd as it sounds. And you know, the argument is, well, that's the salesperson's job. Not, not really. If you're the one who is responsible for the end product as the software developer, as a consultant, uh, as any of these things, we're really in the solutions business at the end of the day. Every single time, we are there filling a need and providing a solution. Everything else, um, like one of the others was talking about, which was, do you want one button or do you want three buttons? Do you want five mm -hmm. buttons? More importantly, here's why you would want one button as opposed to five buttons. Here's what we've experienced. At that point, then value and buy-in comes in differently. And, and that's where I feel it transcends, whether it's commercial, industrial, boardroom, classroom, or residential, it still is a matter of relating to your user. And then it's just the tools in our palette that fill the void. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you are listening to uh, State of Control, by the way. That gentleman right there is Rich Fragoza. Uh, also with us is Sabin Schoen, uh, Mike Faulkner, and Steve Greenblatt. Moving on from, from, from taking that to not budgeting process, but, but yeah, budgeting process. <laughs> There's no way to, around this. Uh, when it comes to value engineering, um, as the term has been used more than once, oh. uh, Mike, we'll, we'll start this off with you. H how do you save programming from value engineering? Because... You know, when you've got, you know, X amount of dollars and, and you're in a good spot because you're in the middle of the government stuff. Um, and, you know, why, why, you know, whether the government it's, doesn't have any money right now. Yes, the government and has never had any money. That's, you know, whether it was the, the sequester or the shutdown now, the government never has any money and yet we still buy things. So, um, but they do tend to value engineer. When it comes to programming, how do you save that from the, uh, from the, the big red pen? Uh, I tend to lose a lot of arguments. That's, that's well, then really you don't say. We'll move on. <laughs> How are you in business? Um, no, we we practice what we preach when it comes to okay. You want the system to do this, then we'll be able to take care of it for you. But it's going to cost this much money. When it and they want to start xing things out, do you realize that you're going to lose functionality? Um, and what functionality do you want to lose? And we put it in our scope of work and our proposal. Client refused to have X, Y, and Z, so into which you're not going to have X, Y, and Z. And then that way, when they complain about not having it, when we get final sign-off, we can go back and say, oh, you really wanted that? Okay, we'll do a change order. That dirty word again, well, change order. Yep. Yeah, the change yep. order word. Well, and from the you know from the more commercial side and the consulting side, you know, we're it's not just contractors that have to value engineer things. Uh, almost every system we do doesn't get bid and purchased as version one. You know, it's version two, three, or four. Yeah. And uh, one thing that we've uh, had to do, especially more recently as the economy has gotten uh, a lot tighter, is that we've really had to spell these out in very plain simplistic language the system is going to do this and we literally yes. bullet points make list and yes. then when the red pen breaks out we sit down with whoever that person may be that has the ability to make the decisions and say here's where we are what and we it's not just about programming we tie it into the whole package so do you want to get rid of this function and then we'll worry about moving the money around and listing both software and hardware accordingly. Um, but you have to spell it out in very simplistic bullet points that they do understand and let them make choices. It's all you can I do. Have, I have had clients um, where they turned down having specific functions. And then when it came to the sign-off, if we didn't spell out saying it will not be able to do this, if we didn't say that, the client will come back and say, well, you didn't say it wouldn't. Well, what do you mean I didn't say I wouldn't? Well, it says here in the contract it'll do this, 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 and this. It didn't say that it wouldn't do that anymore because my original bid went out. The people that put out the bids versus the people that are signing off on it aren't always the same people. So you had to spell it out. Yeah, and it, well, I mean that's – we keep coming back to that same point. The people – sometimes the people making the decisions are not the end users mm -hmm. and that's – that's never going to change, and that's not something that's in 
or the control of no. any of us on this conversation. Um, but what is in our control, and especially from from my end, the consulting end, is we list it out literally, and and our spec has literally bullet points when there's a whole section on control and a whole section on programming and we bullet point every feature that the system needs to accomplish and if it's not in that list then the contractor and you know normally independent programmer are not on the hook for those features and that's how we manage that so let me ask you this when it comes to once the system has been completed and you guys are doing whether it's a punch list or you're 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 training the, the, the end user on how to use the system. If there's something missing, whether it's uh, that is outside of that scope, outside of that, that, um, that original, um, you know, whether it's a uh, bid proposal or whatever, um, if there's something that is missing from the end user's point of view, how does that get resolved? Um, whether is it, I mean, yes, it, it's a change order and, and I understand that. But but take me through that process. Is it does the process start with a conversation between the actual end user and someone in that organization, and then it comes out to you guys? What I oh go ahead go ahead sorry. Well, I wasn't really sure exactly who you were addressing, but it was, I think it, anybody. <laughs> okay, well then go ahead, Mike. All right. So what we tend to do, at least as a, as a good practice, if you're having a conversation with the uh, end user who says, no, I was really hoping it would do this. You write everything down, then send an email to that person, to the project manager, to the sales department, you know, obviously with that person on there saying, this is our conversation. This is the requirements that you'd like to add. And, you know, is there somebody else that needs to approve this? This is how much it will cost. And make sure that there's something in writing to back everything up. If you don't do that, then the list grows. Scope creep is you know, mm -hmm. the next four-letter word in this industry that you got to cover. And another thing to consider, too, is a lot of times as we go along, we try to be accommodating. Um, yeah. Then, and those little things, they, they're, they're good to be able to provide. And, and we always try to figure those into the cost of the project. But, but they add up over time. And eventually, you have to say, well, I can go this far, but I, I just can't get to the next step. And it's really hard for the customer to understand that or, or whoever is your customer until you show them all of the steps that you took to get to this point. And I, I think that, that, that that's something that, that we've found to be an important part of the process is to, to document even those that you're providing that are at no charge. Well, I'm going to I'm going to spin this around back. I mean, the consultants took a little bit of a hit earlier. Uh, one thing that that I see not happening at, when Mike was talking about protecting themselves is we get submittal documents from uh, not only contractors but independent programmers where they'll show outstanding touch panel layouts, but the narrative that describes what's happening is very lacking. And so mm -hmm. there is the one button thing, but it doesn't tell me what's going on. And then everybody approves this great looking panel with a, a three sentence description of what what it's doing and then the owner walks into the room and says hey why why are these five things not happening on the one button push and there's only so far we can back them up being as the the technical rep on the project that's what was submitted that's what everybody approved you left it open you know, yep. if you if you're committed to a number and you're committed um, to providing specific functionality, then it's also your responsibility to list that in your submittal documents. The consulting team um, can only go so far. Uh, writing, and I've had this conversation with Steve, is, is uh, writing really good control system specifications is one of the most difficult things that we do because they're so intricate and so there's so much detail there you have to really think about every application um, and so some of those things do get left out and that happens and the way that you could cover yourself is by outlining those in your documents to the end users or consultants at that point and again it's what's interesting is that I think at times software developers programmers you know third-party people don't give themselves enough credit um, I think they also inadvertently fall into um, sometimes minimizing it, it, it whether through outside forces or own forces they wind up sometimes minimizing what they do and from my standpoint I actually build into my design services the development process which is just that that we're talking about here which is 
we are going to formulate point A to point B, the things that you do and that you don't want, and the narrative has to occur. Well, the narrative has to occur through the form of an interview or something, whether you're working even with the consultant at that point, because it's our responsibility as the programmer to deliver. It's also the responsibility of whoever's on the other side to be able to hit the mid-ground to say, I need to be able to speak clearly what I want, and I'm there to facilitate it for them. Guess what? Just like design development, when I'm doing specs, when I'm doing drawings, when I'm doing technical support, project management, acting as a client liaison or their digital concierge, there's a fee associated with that. And I think that when, what happens sometimes with programmers is because they get relegated to just the programming. I'm doing the air quotes here. Uh, it, it, it starts becoming a matter of being kind of an employee of the group as opposed to a member of the team. And it's, it's a very fine line because, again, in commercial, you've got a lot of people involved. Residential, I think you do, too. I mean, you know, you've, you've got the architect. You've got the general contractor. You've potentially got the interior designer. You've got associated trades. You've got everybody you've got to play nice with um, at the same point. And I think sometimes it's an identity crisis from the software developer to be able to state clearly, this is what I do. This is why I'm here, and this is where I add value. And at that point, the experience that we provide. And, and that's the key word a lot of times when people ask. I, my rates are far from the least expensive in the industry. The reason why I think I get hired is not because of always the work that I perform, but the experience and the value of 25 years of blowing things up along the way and adding value to the process as a member of the team. And I think sometimes that's really what, what winds up happening with a lot of the third-party companies, that they, 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 they let themselves get undervalued at that point instead of coming around and deciding this is what we offer. And sometimes if you, if you already know that you're going into a situation where you're undervalued, you're going to pay for the privilege of being on that project. And uh, I don't think any of us like to think that we operate in not-for-profit status, even when you're dealing with budgets and, and anything else. Really, the people who win in the budgets are the people who can voice their opinions and their value the, the strongest. Okay, so let's go from... Here's the thing, guys. I, I'm, I'm looking at this from, from the, the end user and also from understanding, at least um, knowing Stephen and Rich as, as long as I have, trying to see it from, from their point of view, too. How then do we say to the client as well as to every, all of these other people in the process, listen to me, I know, I know what I'm talking about, I, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be um, authoritarian here, but th I'm asking you questions, like Rich said in the very beginning, I'm not challenging you, I'm trying to get out of you what you want in the very beginning, so this costs as little as possible, not, not I shouldn't say as, as little as possible, but so the costs don't balloon as this person and that person puts their two cents in, you know, a week before the building is supposed to open or the week before the house is supposed to, to go back over to the owners. How does that happen, I, I guess, is the best way to ask that. Steve, we'll kick off with you. How do, how do you get everybody on the same page or, or how do you get them in that conversation while everything's on paper and not as we're getting ready to turn the keys over? Ideally, it would be great if... And, and basically, um, I'm going to repeat some of what Rich said. If we could have that conversation and, and be able to have the exercise of scope development from a functionality standpoint. And, and when we've had that opportunity, when we've been given a direct connection to the actual users, which aren't necessarily the people who, who the contract is with or who, who, is, who purchased the system, when we can sit with the actual users and, and educate them and then for interview and get and, and and get the information and then return with uh, some designs or even a demo and I think that even sometimes putting this stuff on paper isn't good enough they really have to see it and touch it and 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 understand how it's going to operate and, and we're going through this with a customer now and and we went through all of those stages and even so when we go to implement it there are still things that are confusion or they didn't expect. And, and, and I think that it, there isn't an exact science, but, but I think a lot of it has to do with trust. And when it comes down to it, they have to understand that you, that you are dedicated to giving them what they want as long as they understand that sometimes it's, 
it, it may cost a little bit more or, or sometimes we may have to police the scope or, or give them a heads up that what they're asking for is a little bit beyond what you anticipated providing. Sabin, we'll, we'll kick the, this next question off with you. The process is something we've talked about a lot on this on this show, on this episode. It, it's a long process. I mean, let's say that you wanted to open a building, regardless of when you wanted to open it, you start you know, the process now. You might get that building open in a year, 18 months possibly. The mm-hmm. industry, not only the computer industry, but, but the AV industry as well, is moving at such a rapid pace that what you spec, whether you're the consultant and you're the, the best consultant in the world, what you spec now is probably, it's not going to be obsolete, but there will be other items and other things that come along in the next six, 12, nine months um, that surpasses it. There might be a giant leap forward. Who knows? There might be, you know, you might be able to hook up an RJ45 straight from a from a display straight into a, a speaker, um, thanks to right. AV, thanks to AVB. Uh, how do you how do you protect against, or can you protect against that? And if you can, how do you protect against uh, the advances uh, advances of technology over the life of of that uh, over the life of that project? Well, it, it's a good question, and it's not an easy answer. Uh, a, a big part of that yeah, really comes or really derives from. Where's the money coming from? Uh, and depending on who's paying the bill, it it really dictates to me how we can generate these bid documents. If it's a a state or federal or a certain branch of the government funding, you know they want a hard, in concrete list of equipment, maybe even a list of equipment that includes multiple alternates. And once that piece, once that document has been issued, that's the end of it. You're not changing anything unless you. Uh, go through all of the paperwork and and make a very strong case that honestly most of us don't want to have to go through. Now, if the money is – if it's private money or it's a corporation, uh, what we have had success doing is rather than leaving the door open for changes, what we do is we delay the issue of the AV documents. So base contract will include conduit power, uh, other infrastructure requirements, and then the AV package will be issued six months later. So you're now six months closer to the completion date so that we can take a final look at this and make sure that we have the most current uh, products. And on that, you know, you said the you might have a TV that can connect to a speaker with an RJ45. If that thing comes out on a Tuesday, I'm not specking it on Wednesday. You know, True. I'm okay with having not a second generation, but I'm okay with having products that are tested and true rather than a that something that may still be a uh, a beta even though they're not calling it a beta you know some manufacturers are worse than others about issuing stuff that's really not debugged and uh, when you're developing a spec for say you know 20 or 30 or 40 rooms for a corporate client that's a very risky item you just put in there that says, Thank you. I'm going to throw something in. Well, and, you know, everybody likes to be current. I'll admit, you know, we like to push the envelope and make sure the client has the most current products available. But I'm not going to do that unless I have seen, touched, felt, and made sure that this thing is correct and I feel comfortable with it. I'm not going to do it sight unseen. It's just too risky. Agreed. Okay, so we just kind of, and, and, and I understand the the whole not wanting to be on the on the bleeding edge of technology. That I get, and I understand, but we're we're okay with being third and fourth generations because by then, um, hopefully, <laughs> the systems that we spec are a little bit more stable. Uh, guys, we're gonna we're gonna end this with with one interesting uh, question that kind of wraps up almost what we've been talking about the entire time. Um, Sometimes you don't, whether it's the spec by the consultant or by whoever else, but the specs itself, um, sometimes they don't accurately or effectively uh, document all of these uh, cha- all of these control issues, right? They, whether it's the one button or the three buttons or the green button or the blue button. Um, Saving, we'll start this with you and then we'll go down the line for all four of you. What is the best process? What is the the best practice for specking a control system? Um, is it outlining every single thing, and maybe it's even with drawings or or sketches of what the client expects to see, or is it maybe 
a little bit more ethereal and <laughs> this is what they'd like it to do. How, how does that, what is the best practice for, for specking a control system? Well, um, there's two things that can happen there. The first and what everybody has reinforced in this conversation is that it has to do with talking to the right person and the right user and getting the right information from the beginning. So that's, let's assume for a moment that that has happened and that whoever that person is, they have the right information. Something that we do, and it, and it has come from time and from honestly, from probably messing them up, you know, 10 years ago, is that we have a multi-step process. In the spec, uh, it does list bullet point, simple language. We want it to do this. It has a Blu-ray. You must include all transport controls that are available on the remote. Okay, that's pretty easy for everybody to understand. But another item that we have is we have a pre-software uh, uh, completion meeting, and that normally includes the design consultant, the owner's rep, or hopefully end user, and the programmer. And at that meeting, we go over this submittal document, and everybody looks at each other and says, yes, this is what we want, or can we make these four or five changes? And then that becomes the final document. That marked up version is it. And and like that and that we don't have a new user who changes their mind <laughs> um but that's what we do and it has it has been uh, developed from exactly what you said it is uh, we had to screw a few up to figure out how to fix them and that's where we are now and it's been successful recently okay mike uh for you guys what is the best the best process for for specking a control system um I happen to agree with Saban. I mean, if you have that conversation with the end user and reviewing, I mean, because you always start off with some type of template to provide them. This is what these functionality is going to do, and this is going to do this, and this is going to do this. Um, sometimes just asking simple questions, you find out that the client already had a control system on the other side of the country and they have they're going to supply touch panel layouts they're going to supply basic functionality for you of what they're expecting it to do just by looking at the old touch panel layout you can see that oh yeah this is what they had um, believe it or not it can change really drastically when you find out whether they select an input then a destination or select a destination then an input and that that can rearrange a touch panel rather quickly and cause somebody to have to go back and redo. And you don't want that to happen. You want to do it up front as, as, as early as possible. Now, whether you get that time to do that, that's not always the case. But you have to allow for that to happen if you want it to be done right. Well, that's very true. Uh, Rich, for you guys, and, and whether it's a, a residential client or a commercial client, uh, when you're working with these folks, what's how do you advise them uh, is the best way to put this down on paper? I think that Saban and Mike hit a lot of the the, the hot points. And again, not bashing consultants. I, uh, I as, sure, as, as, sure. As as one of the first residential consultants in the company, we uh, want him on the show again. Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> honestly, and again, I think what it reinforces for me in these discussions, um, like I said, is is um, valuing what you provide as a service and championing what you provide as a service. I don't yeah. use programming. I use software development. Mm -hmm. That is what I do. I use tools to develop an experience. I don't just program. I don't just sit and tap all day long. And I think, again, the problem at times is that we suffer from an identity crisis as an industry and, and this segment of the industry. And so part of my job is to educate everybody around me on what I do. Because at the end of the day, they don't necessarily know what I do. <laughs> you know, they know at the end that there's a touch panel and there's a button and there's a few other things. And, and Saban and Mike actually hit it on the head is that it, it is a process and it is continuing the process. So what do I do is I stay in communication. It, it's like you just said, asking, have you ever had a, t a control system before? Yes or no. That completely changes the, the construct of how you operate and communicate with people. And really all we're talking about at this point and, and during this whole conversation is communication and clarity of communication. The software, the buttons, the end user are the result of good communication. And often, like I said, we get caught up in the technical side of things with a Blu-ray player or a video conferencing unit or an auto conferencing unit. It goes back to how can we 
efficiently get you from point A to point B. I think um, Mike was talking about, yeah, you know, an input to a destination as opposed to a destination versus an input. Sometimes it's a matter of saying, you know what, you may not even know right now. Sometimes what we give people is the option. Now, there is a price associated with that, so you can either save some money by making a decision now, or we're going to give you some room to be able to, to, to be flexible with it, but that is something that during the cost of development we have to think about. Uh, it, it's, at times, it's the most basic things that get overlooked when we're dealing with sophisticated systems. And like I said, once, once the, the software developer, the platform developer can say, we are here to take care of this for you, this is why we're hired in the first place, then you're championing the cause. And once you can establish that benchmark with whoever you're around, typically you can replicate that a lot faster. Now, sometimes in projects that, again, the commercial projects that you, you know, you're changing in terms of the, the teams that you're dealing with. But I truly believe that the, the philosophy that you take into it is the most important part. And sometimes it's not a right fit. And, and that's the big thing that I keep hearing. Sometimes you need to be able to, as the developer, say, this just isn't a good fit. And I'm not adding value, and so I would much rather not deal with the you know losing the lost opportunity cost on another project by trying to chase after something that probably isn't going to work collectively the way that we all anticipate. You know, you you sometimes have to be able to look at a project and say a project works or a project doesn't work, and you know that, again that's another fine line. But as a business decision, that's the most important decision you have to make. That's a really good point, and that's a really hard decision sometimes because uh, <laughs> you got to eat. So you know, um, you got to eat, but you also want to make sure that you're not giving somebody your last five dollars for them to eat chasing the project. True, absolutely. Uh, Steve, we'll, we'll wrap it up with you. What's the best? What's, what's the best process here for for documenting control systems or for specking them? Uh, for us, what we found works is first to try to get to understand the audience and know how technical they are. Can they? What level can they have this conversation? And and uh, if if they've if they have a lot of experience, then hey, we can start digging in. But if the, this is something that's new, or they're they're sensitive about it, or or they're just uncomfortable, then we really have to do some handholding and and take to be be gentle about it. And what we'll, what we've found to be beneficial is not to start with a blank slate. Come to the table with an idea and start to talk about that idea. And, and hopefully it's the idea that, that you feel is, is going to work best or you're most comfortable providing and, and start to, to then explain that. And many times they'll say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, and if, if you can, can really back what you're, what, what you're pitching, uh, I think that, You'll, you'll tend to get buy-in, but at least you have something to, to be able to mark up or, or to be able to, to use a, as a point of discussion. And, and, and from that from that meeting or, or exercise, you, you could then come away with, what, what do I have to do next to get closer to it? And, and maybe one or two passes, you hopefully get to a point where, where um, you're providing what they're looking for and they're happy with it and they know that they were involved in that in that development they they had a hand in it they just weren't given something all right very good that that'll be the last word for this episode of a state of the control uh with us this month has been Sabin uh shohan uh from the metropolitan acoustics he is the senior av systems and consultant thank you sir thank you thanks for having me uh how can people find you or, or find uh, metropolitan acoustics um, you can go to metro-acoustics.com, and all of our information is there, including my contact information. Very good. Also with us is Mike Faulkner. He's the manager of engineering services for Avitexture. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And how can people get a hold of you? Um, they can email me at mike.faulkner at avitexture.com. Avitexture.com. Uh, Uncle Richie, Rich Fergoza from Fergoza Design. Thank you, sir. Uh, happy and and I didn't lose my marbles nearly as much this time. You so. did not. <laughs> uh, Uncle Richie was on our our weekly or our AV week this past Friday, and and he lost his marbles over uh, um, uh, Kaleidoscape. So <laughs> it was it was interesting. <laughs> let me just put it that way. Uh, how can oh, people, it's always good radio. It is. It is. Uh, how can people find you, sir? Uh, you can find me at uh, FregosaDesign.com. Uh, you can find me on the interwebs, um, Twitter, R Fregosa. 
Uh, you can also find me uh, at CEPro.com, where I just finished covering uh, the Cedia show with uh, my trade show videos. And pretty much any time you type in my name, something about me losing my marbles will show up in a Google search. Indeed. <laughs> Have you uh, have you guys started talking about CES yet for uh, for CES? Uh, yeah. Pro? yep, yep. I will I will be again blog mobbing for our CES 2014. Just uh, just sent in my uh, my badge application. Oh, very so good. It'll be a good time. It will be, be. a good time. Uh, and I, uh, no, good good. I I always enjoy getting the feedback from the um, the consultant side and the development side. And so uh, Saban and Mike definitely brought up a lot of great points that. Uh, Cause me not to lose my marbles and listen. <laughs> yes. Uh, and last but not least, our ringleader for uh, for State of Control, Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was another great show. And uh, how can people get a hold of you or Control Concepts? Uh, we're at controlconcepts.net, and uh, on social media, Twitter is at Steve Greenblatt, and many of the other platforms, uh, same thing. So. Look forward to hearing from everyone. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, if, if you would please go by the website for for this uh, this network, avnation.tv, avnation.tv, you'll find sh- uh, State of Control, our weekly show, um, AV Week, as well as a number of other uh, specialty podcasts. We do one on education, uh, live staging, and events. We have a social media and marketing social show. So check check that out if you would please. Avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. This has been a State of Control.